and click to start streaming. And we are live at exactly noon, our time, well, 3 p.m. Metal's time. All right, so this is, I've totally lost count of which episode this is, but uh, welcome everybody to the Headphone Show live stream. And for today, we have special guest Sankar from Odyssey and Metal 571. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go over a number of topics, and then at the end, we'll try and get a little bit of Q&A going as well with, uh, with some folks in the chat. Um, but just to give everybody a sense of what we're going to talk about, um, we're going to just talk about some of the uh, impacts of uh, the whole uh, isolation for the headphone industry that's going on right now. Uh, talk about a couple of headphone models, uh, LCD-1, LCD-GX, uh, a couple of technical areas like you know, what, what is SLAM and detail. I'll talk about measurements and all of that kind of stuff and then get into some conversations about some high-end headphones as well and directions for odyssey's high-end headphones so this is going to be the uh odyssey episode i suppose and uh without further ado i'll introduce you guys to sankar uh thanks so much for joining us sankar and uh yeah um, I, I might as well start right away ask ask you a question of how has the i guess the the pandemic impacted you guys and from an operations perspective are you guys able to you know cope with everything or how do you see this <laughs> playing well, i mean it's, it's a little weird at the moment uh, yeah. we are in lockdown in california so we have unfortunately we had to temporarily um, suspend production so um, but we are trying to do some you know small mitigation things but uh, there's some little bit of shipping and receiving of urgent things, but uh, majority of things we are some some of the non-production uh, people are working from home. Um, R&D and all the sales, marketing, all those guys are still working. Um, whatever inventory we have, we are still selling, but uh, production has ground to a halt. Um, we hope the restrictions will be lifted soon and uh, we will be able to continue. But uh, at the moment, it's... Um, you know, a little. I mean, it's all over the world. It's not just here. Yeah. The I think um, we'll we'll have to see how things resolve. Yeah. The my understanding is that you know while the supply chain interruptions may not hit everybody at the same time, they probably will hit everybody at some point. <laughs> so yeah, there's always going to be a, a gap. Kind of a double whammy, right? For you know, it initially hit China and then here uh, now. So yeah. The supplies that we couldn't, you know, like uh, Mobius uh, stuff, we had things were pending in January. Now we are able to ship some of them. Uh, mm. But the problem is all the um, flights are overbooked now because there's very few flights carrying this. Right. So, so it's very messy. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I, I've seen sort of happen with a lot of other um, businesses is from for the operations side of things is they've figured out ways of you know making that work from home making that work from you know, isolated environments and that means in some cases you know uh, figuring out ways to have better internet connections and all this stuff i mean have you guys had to like adjust anything so that the rest of the uh, the work still happens <laughs> i mean some of this the see for the marketing and uh, sales uh, and even R&D, it's very easy. Um, very, okay. Yeah. That's what I was hoping. Oh. That, those are the <laughs> things that continue. And uh, the other important thing for us is uh, many of our employees, um, almost 90% uh, of our employees, have health insurance through Odyssey. 
so we didn't want to lay off anybody and things like that and weather this through so um some of these employees uh you know there are some things that we could do from home um even assembly work a little bit right um for example packaging material all those things so we are prepping some of those things so that when things open up we can uh, start production on a scale cool cool um i guess i mean we we're talking earlier about about you know the impacts of this on trade shows and mm-hmm. in the headphone industry as well we're not going to be able to do the all the shows that we would want to ideally and and you know, CanJam was sort of the last, last one there before all this stuff happened. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it stands to reason. I mean, you, as you were saying before, I mean, you wouldn't want to uh, risk an employee by sending them to a trade show or anything like that. At this moment, yeah, it's it's yeah. very risky. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, this situation is going to change. Um, you know, it, it's the the effects will be there for a while. I don't think it's going to be yeah. just. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, well, we might as well launch into some of the more uh, positive <laughs> topics. Uh, so at CanGem last, uh, yeah, the recent, most recent CanGem, uh, we we got a chance to see the LCD one closed prototype. I was wondering if you could give us uh, an update on on that, or you know, for for me, like I when I saw that it was going to be wireless. You know, part of me was like, oh, you know, but I'm the audiophile, and I I want to be able to plug things into amps and DACs and whatever else. But then at the same time, like thinking about it afterwards, I kept thinking to myself, this is something that I actively want, <laughs> like the, the, the wireless component as well. So, you know, are there any updates on that? Uh, it's, it's, you know, we don't know when exactly we are going to release it because of the impact of the virus. Uh, but uh, the, you know, there's a headphone here. Um, yeah, we, we um, you know, we designed it as an active headphone. Um, it's possible to make it also passive. Um, the question is: Is the uh, in in the uh, if you look at even Mobius, the amount of people who use the analog connection on it is very very low. Um, it's obviously doesn't have all the feature set, but so so we are still contemplating: Should we make a passive version or should we just have a completely active headphone? Um, the uh, you know some of the worries that we used to have with Bluetooth are going away. Uh, battery life, for example, um, even um, um, the quality of audio with Aptex HD or Dell DAC, it's becoming better. Uh, one of the things uh, with the planar drivers, especially the Mobius, the LCD one drivers are super efficient. So we are able to get something between 60 to 72 hours of battery life on um, the Felix, as we call it internally. Um, it, so, so it, you know, you might not need to charge it that often. And the charge uh, lasts for a long time. Um, the other advantage of having it all completely active is we don't have to bypass the circuit um, and we don't have to overdamp the um, headphone also um, completely. I was going to ask about that, the, the damping. I mean, one of the attractive things about the LCD-1, the open back, uh, mm-hmm. is, of course, the form factor. But when you're taking a planar driver, a planar headphone and closing it off, in that kind of small form factor. I mean, are there any additional challenges that are required to, in order to close it off, to get the frequency response to be where you want it to be? Or what, what's sort of the, it, yeah, what's the challenge there and then how are you guys overcoming it? So, so in, 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 it's in general for all close back uh, planars. And in fact, for even other types of headphones, mm-hmm. right? 
So what happens is when you close it, you get obviously the reflection going through the diaphragm again. Um, and so there are three ways that can be used to mitigate this, right? Um, um, you're, there is going to be compromises somewhere to get um, the frequency response you want. One way is to damp it um, significantly, but what this also have what happens is when you do this uh, quite a bit, it also kills the um, resolution or the you know mm -hmm. the detail. Um, it doesn't have the same liveliness that you will get from a planar driver. Right. So we try to achieve a balance between these when we design the headphones. We don't want to completely um, over damp it so that we you know um, it doesn't feel like a uh, it doesn't feel very lively. The second way of doing it is if you have very sharp peaks and stuff, you can put some LC filters and kill them off. We did this with the sign headphones and stuff. The third way is um, also, I mean, and again, these are not mutually exclusive things. You can have all three of them, right? Mm -hmm. So you can have a little bit of damping or whatever you think is the right balance for damping. You can also add uh, LC filters or other filters to kill off some notches. You can have, obviously, we design physically the ear cup and stuff to accommodate these things also. Um, I mean, even ear cup design matters quite a bit in this. And then the third one is um, something like if you have an active headphone like the Mobius, you could use uh, signal processing. So um, it really depends upon the headphone and the market we are going after. Uh, if it is a pure audiophile headphone, I think the best option is to um, do the first two, um, not add too much DSP in it. Mm -hmm. um, and but but if we are also going to a pro market or a gamer market, you can add the um, uh, signal processing component also into it. And we have mm -hmm. never been shy about this. You know, we sell the Resolve pl plugins. We um, put the DSP in the lightning cables, and even before that, we actually had a box that we called the black box. Uh, where you could actually arbitrarily draw any frequency response and it would actually compute the uh, convolution filters to get you the frequency response you need. Awesome. Uh, Metal, do you have any questions for Sankar on the LCD-1 closed? Well, actually, I was going to say, um, so I know that Abyss is doing something with self-damping drivers. I was wondering if you had any comments on that because I don't know of any other planar manufacturers are doing something like that. Um. I haven't. I don't know enough about that particular driver. So, um, uh, I mean, well, it just the, doesn't need a seal final... apparently to produce all the bass response or something like that. And I just thought that was interesting. I've never seen that before. Yeah. So, so there is, you know, um, there are again there are multiple ways of uh, doing this. Um, I think it is. Um, I think Final Audio from Japan also had something mm -hmm. similar. I'm not fully sure what it is. I think they called it the air damping system. Um, or air, air film damping. Air film damping. Yeah. yeah, so um, that, you know, but in our um, headphones, we want to have very controlled bass without resonant peaks and stuff like that in the low frequency because sometimes this can give you um, um, a artificial sense of slam. Um, so what we wanted to have is very controlled uh, diaphragm behavior. So um, that's uh, one of the reasons we uh, with, we go with the approach that we have for our close back headphones. 
would you anticipate you know more close back headphones i mean i guess depending on the way things go but uh you know for some of the higher end stuff as well i mean you've done the lcd xc and the lcd2 closed mm-hmm. or would do you envision you know some of the maybe like the G, lcd gx but closed or something like that you know maybe around 900 plus yeah i mean i mean we have um um, we, have, we are always working on several different things at some point, at any point, I think. For sure. Six or seven different projects at the same time. Um, you know, it's um, sometimes things fall in place very quickly, like the Mobius. Um, sometimes it just takes longer. We don't want to release a headphone before it's ready. Uh, but we do think that there is a, a market for close backs, a really nicely done close back below, um, you know, in, around the LCD2. Mm-hmm. Uh, close to uh, see price range yeah i mean i was i, I mean i just the audience probably knows that you know, i released a video on the planar versus dynamic sort of a basic overview i i was doing my research on this and realized that like there's hardly any high-end closeback planar magnetic headphones and i just imagine that i mean apart from some of the ones that that you guys are doing um i i just imagine that it's an additional design challenge there to get the frequency response right for when you close off the the back of the headphone to balance the damping and the frequency response and everything. But that's very interesting. Yeah. But but if you look at it, uh, all the lower end headphones are close back. um, Yeah. um, Entry level headphones, the Mobius um, being a prime example. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually probably Mobius is probably one of the most linear close backs. So is that, is that partially because it's, uh, of the DSP or you know, the, is it just easier? Uh, yeah, all we of them. use all three things. Uh, we use, you know, we get the damping. Uh, we use the DSP, and also the, um, um, I think the uh, LC filters are there too. Mm-hmm. High frequencies. Right. So for the LCD one closed, is that mm-hmm. that's then the same uh, driver as the LCD one open? Is that correct? It's not, no, it's no, slightly okay. different. Um, I mean, the driver size is the same, but the driver itself is slightly different because you now we have electronics involved. So right. what we do is, for example, the Mobius driver, um, it's not outside, uh, you know, you can't access it directly, you have to go through electronics. But the amplifier that we used uh, in Mobius is optimized for uh, six to eight ohms impedance. So mm-hmm. we designed the Mobius driver to accommodate it. So, uh, you know, with LCD, uh, the the Felix or the Mobius, the important thing is to optimize the driver so that we can get the most efficiency possible with the uh, chipsets and uh, amplifier chipsets and the Bluetooth chipsets. So we, custom, you know, we designed the driver to exactly fit those parameters. And uh, speaking of the amplifier, what is the, the amplifier in there? Or... Um, if you're able to talk about it. <laughs> uh, I, I need to, um, you know, yeah. Yeah, I, we will put the specs and stuff because um, there is, again, as I said, some of the fine details on LCD one close back are not finalized yet. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Still in uh, prototypes. Some things that we might be able to change, but we will publish this information. There's no big um, secret to us. For sure, for sure. Okay, I, I guess uh, moving on from... Go ahead. Am I loud enough? I just realized I might not be... Uh, this is better, I think. Okay. This is, um, but yeah, um, I, I wanted to move on from the LC1 closed. And unless, Metal, do you want to, was there, was there anything else you wanted to 
ask about that. No, I was just going to say that I, I agree there's almost no high-end, especially high-end planar options. I mean, what do we like have? Like super high-end, right? Like... <laughs> yeah, like I think the only players in the closed high-end space at all is really like the Stelia and um, what is it? The, the Veritate closed, but there's also, I guess, the Ether closed, Ether Flow closed, yeah. It's the only one I can think of other than the XC, I think, at the moment. So well, there's it would be interesting. Closed, Aeon, but right, then, but that's not like three thousand yeah, or whatever, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that's. I mean, that's a market that. I mean, that's certainly what I'm interested in. I don't know if uh, you know, because I'm, I'm just thinking of like all the people who, are, especially now, you know, the work from home crowd, uh, where you know we have we're in environments where you know maybe there's a family or you hear background sounds from home because it's not in an ideal you know environment. Uh, or even in my case, it's my computer fans are always spinning up when I'm, you know, rendering something, and it just it, it introduces noise floor like yeah. crazy. So I'm always on the lookout for like the best possible closeback, and then you know you you realize that like that sort of stops at around like three thousand dollars. <laughs> it doesn't go yeah. any higher than that, and it doesn't go, you know, there's very limited selection there as well. So, uh, but in any case, I guess we could move on to. Uh, I wanted to ask about the LCD GX. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a headphone that's been. Uh, very well received um both in terms of you know it's it's a much lighter headphone than um certainly what i was used to um and it's very comfortable mm-hmm. and then also it has a very agreeable like everything about it is just it seems to nail exactly where uh you know the price point is and everything but i i wanted to ask you know what are your thoughts on on the lcd gx but not as a as a gamer headphone i mean see um whether it's a gamer headphone or an audiophile headphone, our philosophy is almost all the, always the same. Mm-hmm. We want to create headphones that uh, sound like good uh, a good pair of reference speakers in a well-treated room. Okay, um, uh, we all you know, um, and this is not just what I'm saying now. But if you go back and look at what we were trying to do in 2011 and 12, or even before that, it's the same uh, philosophy. So what we have done is. Um, we have three or four different ways of uh, trying to figure out what would be the ideal response um, that we want to achieve. One is uh, we made, uh, there is, um, I don't know if you guys know, Kavi Alexander, um, he used to work with us quite a bit. He has a couple of Grammys um, and uh, he created a reference set of recordings for us. So where it's a controlled recording with instruments that we know placed in particular uh, known positions and where we could see you know we were at the recordings we knew how they sound so we can actually test against those recordings especially for um, uh, spacing and um, uh, reproduction of uh, the tonal quality we also um, uh, put uh, microphones inside our uh, we have probe microphones where we have almost all the engineers here have had measurements done near their eardrum um, so we know exactly their frequency response with their, what they are perceiving it. Uh, then we compare it to the frequency response of uh, measurement heads and stuff. Um, so so uh, our goal has, from the very beginning, has been to achieve this. Um, I think uh, what you are seeing with the uh, we are, but we are also think we also think there is a small uh, transition in how people are perceiving these things now. Um, so, so um, GX is a very good example of, you know, uh, e- even if you look at not just GX, but even Mobius and uh, 
LCD one, I think um, the frequency response is a lot more uh, like what you per, you know perceived. Um, so so uh, from a other weight perspective, GX we because of gaming we wanted to make it like. Um, so we thought we could sacrifice a little bit of efficiency to make it lighter. That's how we ended up with the GX. Hmm. Um, was, uh, so correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the LCD GX is uh, single-sided, right? Correct. Yeah, single-sided. And so is the, I've always, again, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I've always thought that when you um, lose one of the sides, um, you, there's a chance that you can lose some of the performance there as well um, because you don't have as many parameters to work with. Um, is the is the way that you make up some of that ground, uh, like, or how, how do you go about making up some of that, you know, performance ground? Is it a matter of, you know, refining the, the diaphragm itself or, you know, what's the process there? Um, so it's a little long, lot more, uh, we could talk <laughs> by all means <laughs> for, a, for, a, for a whole show. Uh, <laughs> is the GX is not a first, uh, single sided headphone, the ELHs, the sign, the Mobius LCD one are all one side, uh, single sided magnet. Uh, the mm -hmm. even the eye signs are single-sided magnets. Um, so this is something that we have been working on for a time. So the way um, we do uh, any headphone design is, um, it starts with the magnetic circuit design, right? So if you look at the magnetic circuit of the LCD2, that was our first headphone that we had, um, or even the LCD1, the original LCD1, it's very similar, is they have a magnetic structure that's a little bit staggered. And the magnetic flux is very uniform between them. Uh, the LCD-X and the LCD-3 had magnets on top of each other. Um, the LCD, the ear lights were the first ones where we had one-sided magnets. And um, they are very, you know, so so when we use one-sided magnets, the biggest uh, issue that we have is efficiency, right? So especially if you are going to make a consumer headphone like the Mobius, you'd want it to be as efficient as possible because you want to have a lot of battery life uh, in these headphones. So uh, part of this, when we, in 2013 and 14, when we started thinking, what do we want to do with planar drivers and stuff? One of our biggest aim goals was to make planar drivers lighter, uh, more efficient, right? So that's one of the things that uh, we did with the Fluxor drive, Fluxor magnets. Mm -hmm. So with the flux or magnet, we can get almost twice the magnetic flux of a N95 uh, magnet, a structure with a regular one. So if you look at the uh, magnetic uh, flux from LCD2, um, for example, with a double-sided magnetic structure, we can get almost the same flux on a single-sided ones with fluxor. So uh, with, the, so, with the fluxor, that's... Yeah. Um, you, you said... So it's not using N95. Uh... It is using N95. Oh, it is okay. It is using N95, but the way we make these magnets. So, in, so if you look at LCD2, the north and south are in. You know, um, uh, they, if you cut the magnet, the bar magnet, the north will be on one side, south will be on the other side. Right. right. But if you look at the fluxor magnets, it's actually two magnets together for the same size, but the. Um, north to south, the direction of the magnetization will be diagonal, and then again another one. So the flux mm, on the top okay. side is twice of what we get on the bottom. 
Um, and uh, this is one thing that helps us to still get the flux um, that we need for efficiency. Right. So VX uses the same one, same principle. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, when we make very high-end headphones, like the, the um, very thin diaphragms, like the LCD 4, right? Um, so taking one step back, the force on the diaphragm is uh, proportional to the flux density, the current density, and the um, uh, length of the voice coil. Okay, so um, so uh, also, so what we want to do is to when we make very thin diaphragm, the we also need to move it because the metal that is available to carry current is also very small. Mm -hmm. So putting a double fluxer in LCD four, for example, helps us to make the headphones as uh, quite a bit more efficient than making it uh, with um, regular magnets. So that's, uh, if anybody thought the LCD-4 was difficult to drive, it's more efficient than it could have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. yeah, imagine if you use LCD-2 magnets. <laughs> yeah, if you put the LCD-2 magnets, it would, you need a big, um, bigger amplifier. Yeah, yeah. And and there are, there are there were other headphones companies that made with those kind of approaches. The problem is this, even the original LCD-4 for example, um, before the 4G came, uh, the first very first units we had um, um, 100 ohms impedance, and they were a little bit more difficult to drive than the um, subsequent versions. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. even though the impedance was higher. Oh. Yep. Well, the efficiency probably was also right. Yeah, exactly. Efficiency <laughs> must have yeah, changed it, too. It's it's uh, you know and uh, one. You know, Many people also, um, when we talk to not the reviewers but the consumers, we they prefer higher efficiency headphones. Um, and we can also see it when we have a higher efficiency headphones, they sell better. Is is this so as a trend in you know the audiophile world and also just I guess consumer headphone world? Uh, you know, people are wanting to buy nicer and nicer headphones, and m most of them probably don't really think about the you know the amps and dax and all the rest of this stuff whereas you know us who are you know a little bit more strongly <laughs> entrenched in the audiophile Just segment a little bit yeah like for, for <laughs> us i think you know we're often thinking to ourselves why are so many planar headphones coming out you know that are sacrificing performance for the benefit of being more efficient because for us we all have these amps and dax and everything anyways or e even also like i can't remember who it was who said this maybe it was metal actually but uh, i think you know, i the, definitely said that at some point yeah. the the idea that you know over 50 headphones that cost over 1500 dollars uh, and in some cases there are headphones that cost like $3,500 that you know they're made super efficient that that idea doesn't there's a bit of cognitive dissonance there for the entrenched audiophile like us, because it's like if we're going to spend that much money on the headphones, you know, it, it's very likely that we would also have the, the required source key to be able to be able to power it if it were more power hungry. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, is this just a matter of, you know, trying to broaden the reach and broaden the um, the audience a little bit? Correct. I mean, I mean, when you put a headphone out, uh, you don't know, really know who buys them, right? You know, For it's sure. It's very difficult to figure out. If we sell it directly, at least we have some idea. But we have users, for example, we have users from, you know, some researchers in uh, um, near New Zealand use this for, um, you know, some studies and stuff to people, audiophiles to, 
sound engineers to mixing engineers uh, mastering engineers a lot of different type of people use the same headphones we make for example the xc right mm-hmm. um uh, or even the lcd3 for example we think of it as like a audiophile headphone but once we saw some you know the sound engineer for um, a lot of the rings was using it uh, at you know and in his um, um studio mm-hmm. so we tried to hit a balance between all these things sometimes we you know for uh, we designed products that we say okay this is just an audiophile product we do not really think somebody else will use it so efficiency we can for we can sacrifice efficiency and put it out that for example lcd3 right. uh, it's not as efficient um it's still very efficient headphone but um it you know that's a good example where we said it's just purely going to be an audiophile headphone right right um and metal do you have any any thoughts on that no yeah it's it's a matter of i was gonna say it's a matter of market like we don't need it doesn't yeah like you said it doesn't even compute in our heads i mean when you can get a 789 nowadays for it's actually down to like what is it, like 299 or something here yeah it used to be 399 and like it's so it, like that and that'll drive up lcd4 just fine i mean that's how i actually reviewed it i mean there are better amps obviously sound quality wise but power wise it's not that bad to drive actually i did have one question for shankar because i remember the tile i don't remember if, i think it was tile went to the odyssey booth i don't know which can jam this was but you guys had some like 1000 ohm impedance uh, prototype floating around at that time yeah. i was wondering what, what that was all about yeah. No, I mean, we had a 1200 ohms impedance. A 1200. 1200, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So, um, you know, so, so many times, you know, about, I would say about 20% of the products uh, actually come to market that we make, you know, prototypes and stuff. Um, many times, 25%. Sometimes, in the, at least in the initial days, we used to do a lot more, um, try different things. Because if you look at it from, a, um, you know, planar, designs and um, um, designs that are if you look at all the companies in planar headphones they are very different designs the head designs that we make or designs that hi-fi man makes or um, even um, what oppo and uh, these guys mm-hmm. you make are very different type of planar designs right and even if you look at odyssey headphones alone the lcd2 uses a different magnetic structure than lcd uh, x then the Mobius uses a very different structure, and in in so there is a lot of areas that where we could do research and improve things. One thing that because we make our drivers from scratch, right? We make our own thin film, we cast our own film. So the material science and all these things, um, we are learning new things all the time. We try to put many of these things into practice. So one of the things was to see how fine could our traces be packed in a driver, right? So uh, in the, if you look at it in um, if old radios and stuff, um, they used to be this very high impedance uh, drivers so that you could drive it from tubes directly. Mm. So I, the 1200 ohms impedance uh, headphone was just a uh, engineering prototype that we made, um, sounded really good. Um, but then what did you use to drive it (laughs) we we actually found an old uh, i believe it's a phillips amplifier oh okay we got off um 
I'm not fully sure what it was, but it was something that uh, we could actually drive directly. It's like a like a speaker amp or something. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. Yeah. That's what we need. We need an LCD five with like two thousand yeah. ohms, and, and it requires at least a shit vidar to yeah. run. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of it is also, I think, you know, for audiophiles, the fun is being able to make as much use of the source equipment as possible. So you realize that oh, yeah. not only you're getting the most of the headphones, but you're getting the most out of the source gear. And, you know, you're finding the best synergies and systems and all the pairings and everything that makes sense for, you know, all the different pieces that you have. Um, which it makes me think that, you know, probably, as you're saying, you know, the rest of the world doesn't have that same, you know, penchant for pairing different pieces of equipment together that we do. You just want things uh, to work. There are a lot of yeah, categories. Yeah. I think that's where 4Z and MX4 and LCDX all come in and... LCDX is really popular from what I know among the pro audio crowd, probably at least partially because it's so efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, so That was the main reason, right? In the initial days when we did the LCD3, um, we found out that many audio engineers would just plug it into their consoles and stuff, which did not have really good powerful amplifier options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the LCDX was specifically designed for that in the initial days, yeah. Right. Uh, I guess we could move on to some of the technical questions. Um, we were talking about this at uh, CanJam, at the recent CanJam, uh, and I, I felt like it was probably worth getting to the bottom of again or <laughs> talking more about, but the, the question of where does SLAM come from in planar magnetic headphones and why mm-hmm. some seem to have it and others, more commonly even, uh, don't. Uh, so, for example, you know, this, the Hi-Fi Man and Nando, or, you know, a lot of the egg-shaped Hi-Fi Man headphones don't have the same kind of slam quality as, you know, like an LCD-4, or, you know, the LCD-1 doesn't have the same kind of slam quality as maybe like an LCD-X, even though, as you're saying, it, it has the same uh, or similar uh, uh, driver there. Um, I just want to get your comments well, on, you know, so where the that LCD-1 driver from. is very different from LCD-X driver. The oh, okay. The film is probably similar, but uh, that's, yeah, driver that's is, the... yeah, different. So, so there is, you know, slam could mean a couple of different things, um, right? But uh, different people think of it in a different way. But I think what uh, it is, uh, you know, in, in our opinion, is it's the impact, physical impact that we mm. get from a driver is what is usually referred to as slam. Um, and if you see, it really depends upon several different things. One is the um, the driver itself. You know, the, the cone speakers, for example, can displace a lot more air than plain R's or even electrostats, right? So the displacement, uh, the ability of the um, driver to displace, I think, matters. Then the second thing is the seal, the ear pads, how did they interact with the skin and all that stuff. Uh, right. customer who felt that he was not, you know, he had a frequency response curve from us and he felt it was very different um, than, um, you know, and so he actually came to the facility and we measured his headphone and we found out it actually had the perfect frequency response, but he was wearing glasses. Yeah. It was breaking the seal. Um, and when we showed him the measurement of wearing glasses versus not wearing glasses, it's it's huge in the low end when you don't get a seal. But I think the more important thing that you're referring to here is the physical impact created by the uh, displacement of air. Yeah. So um, if you, that's why I think more people... Uh, you know, feel that um, when you have a cone speaker, you get that quite easily compared to um, other drivers like electrostatics, for example. 
um what you know the uh, other thing is also it is possible when you have very low damped or under damped systems you could have resonances in the low frequencies that actually they make you think you have better slam but it's not it's um the diaphragm is not very well controlled also so okay. there could be multiple factors for this yeah that i mean that's one of the things that also i mean when you hear the dynamic driver's slam quality it also isn't as like tight and well controlled as very linear uh planar magnetic headphones or planar magnetic headphones that are really linear in the bass mm -hmm. where you can actually hear the tone more distinctly on the planar magnetic headphone but it doesn't have as much of that sort of excursive kind of you know impact feeling um and so i like in my mind that's always been the trade-off but then occasionally you do have i mean even like the H, the HE6 has quite good slam as well there, as, as uh, Max Hedding was talking about. Um, so, you know, it's it, to me, I, 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 those parameters are very interesting, but I think what you mentioned there about the pads uh, and the seal and all that, I think um, that's something that I hadn't thought about, where if the seal isn't there, you're not getting the same, um, the, the air movement isn't going to be the same, right? It could go you'll, everywhere. Yeah, you'll, you'll see a roll-off also. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely roll-off in the frequency response. Yeah. Um, I mean, is there uh, is there any kind of design philosophy where you go, we want this one to have a lot of really good punch and slam and impact as a trade-off? Or um... I mean, there, there, I mean, easily, you know, there's different philosophies for this, but mm -hmm. that's why I think you also feel it a little bit more in LCD X than in LCD One, primarily because of the displacement. Right. Um, so, so in a uh, single-sided driver the farther you go uh, from the magnets um, it also becomes there's less magnetic flux available right you know it's right. uh, uh, um, with a uh, double-sided driver it's more uniform so you get much right. more well um, I, I think um, you know it also uh, the flexibility of the driver diaphragm material also matters the thinner the diaphragm the more flexible it is you can get away with much more excursion than mm -hmm. very thick uh, diaphragm. Um, so the thicker diaphragms are are stiffer. Thicker diaphragms will be stiffer, and Interesting. Uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, any thoughts on that stuff, Metal? I know we were talking about that again, Jeff. Yeah, I uh, hadn't thought about the, the, the. I always forget the stiffness in the material definitely plays a major role. I mean. Just subjectively speaking, the the Odyssey headphones with the more with a stronger magnetic structure in them just seem to have better defined and more base impact to them too. So um, I think, as you already said, Shankar, the uh, the the magnetic flux definitely plays a role along with uh, the drivers themselves. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I like the strength. I didn't think about the field, but yeah, that makes sense with the single-sided too. That's not as uniform. Yeah, yeah. The, the GX too. Like even though I think it has probably the best frequency response, Max says the same thing that, than a lot of the other big LCDs. It doesn't have quite the same uh, impact either, and that's probably at least partially because of the single-sided magnets. Yeah, that's what I would imagine. But at the same time, I I don't know if if you find it like this, but I found that the GX had a much more spacious soundstage than what I was used to as well. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't think it was that different from my LCD too. Are you wearing it right check now? Again. Yeah, that, I, I, yeah, but I can't. It's mono audio, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Okay, uh, is uh, I guess we can move on to. Uh, I wanted to get your take, Sankar, on uh, you know us re- reviewers like to talk about you know detail retrieval, um, much to the <laughs> dismay of you know a lot of the viewers who, are, who haven't had a chance to experience all the different things that we have. Yeah. Um, in in your mind, uh, you know, where does this this quality come from that separates the you know the detail capability of something like an LCD four from you know LCD two or LCD one or LCD GX? You know that that difference is something that we tend to key in on. But I was wondering what your take is on you know where that that quality comes from. So so in in our frequency response, you know the uh, detail or um, the transparency. I mean clarity. All these things are a little bit related to each other. I think mm-hmm. um, they the if let's us you know if you have a frequency response is uniform, um, you will hear detail in the low frequencies and high frequency in everywhere. It's not just in a particular frequency range, right? You can hear details in uh, bass, for example. Mm-hmm. So um, part of this comes from how fast your diaphragm can move, um, how far can it accelerate from part point A to point B. Um, and this depends on the force on the diaphragm also and the mass of the film. So. If you have a very thin film, like um, ultra-thin diaphragms, the, you will be able to get a um, lot of these things without smudging um, the frequency. Um, in, in the, you, I think you'll be able to hear the details and it'll be much more clearer for you as well. Um, in terms of frequency response, um, there's also, you can boost some presence in the uh, boost some frequencies in the presence range that will appear you know mm-hmm. as more detail to you but that's you know um, um, it's it's a little bit misleading but if you mm-hmm. have very thin diaphragms very pliable diaphragms that are very responsive you can and, and very well controlled you can get uh, very good detail so the difference between the LCDX and the LCD4 is obviously the um, very thin diaphragms Right, so it's responsiveness of the of the diaphragm. That's sort of what we were uh, assuming. But, yeah, and the responsiveness, as I mentioned earlier, it depends upon three things primarily. The mm-hmm. I mean, the primary thing is the weight of the diaphragm. The heavier the diaphragm, it's harder to move it. Right. Um, so, but if you look at the the force acting on the diaphragm, it's a flux density, the um, current density that we can get through it, and also the um, uh, um, length of the voice coil. So. That those are the three primary things uh, that affect the force on the diaphragm and which relates, you know, mass acceleration. You get faster uh, response from the driver. Cool. So, I mean, we, we were talking in the last uh, live stream about how, you know, maybe if a headphone could produce up to, you know, 40K hertz or something like that, that might be an indicator that, you know, it might have better detail because it could move fast enough to be able to produce those frequencies. But of course, you know, we weren't, we weren't saying anything definitively, just, you know, you know guessing, so, so, I guess. So, so see, the, the thing is, um, it depends upon, you can, many, probably many headphones can reproduce 40 kilohertz. Yeah. But what would be the amplitude that they create at 40 kilohertz, right? So if you have right. a significant drop off, and then, so um, if, if you look at it, most transducers are designed to be linear um, so that you don't create problems in the audible range as well. Right. Right, I mean, twenty to twenty k is all that really matters for you know the experience is concerned. But you know, the thinking of maybe okay, I was thinking maybe you know as much as the some of the specs that you see are 
ridiculous. Maybe there is an indicator there for for something if if it does show that it goes up to forty kHz, but it it, it probably is. It's just beca- a... yeah, it's the the D, it's <laughs> called the dB points. That's the problem. Yeah, like if yeah. you're 10, 15, 20 dB down at forty k, I mean like. It's yeah, very it different than being only 3 dB <laughs> down versus 1K energy, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I so. don't know if any, any headphone manufacturer actually publishes. I know, I was going to say that but too. Not the amplitude, kilohertz, no. You know, <laughs> that is, I have even seen 80 kilohertz in some headphones. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, <laughs> but like 1 dB. Is, yeah, <laughs> the question is how much is the drop-off there. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. again, also sometimes it's, um, you know, there's the same problem with efficiency measurements as well. I know I'm digressing a little bit from your question, but you know, if you measure the efficiency of a headphone, you can measure mm-hmm. it at different points. The ear entrance point, the ear reference point, or the drum reference point. In the beginning with LCD tools and stuff, we always published um, uh, we always published our efficiency at drum reference point. Okay, because we didn't know, you know, that was what we assumed was the right way to do it. And then in uh, 2013 or 2012, some other headphone company came in and started publishing it at the ear reference point, uh, which is like if you put your hand here, what would be the efficiency mm-hmm. of the place? And that they actually quoted some uh, AES or uh, ITU specification. So what happened was we realized not, not even the reviewers actually realized that there was a difference. They were assuming the efficiency of our headphones was comparable to the efficiency of this new headphone even though these were at two different points and that if you measure them in a rig, you will get about 3 dB difference. Mm-hmm. So um, then we started changing it and now I think we publish it also. And most people now publish it at the um, uh, ERP. Um, right. So so there are also, you know, when you look at the specs of these headphones and stuff, a lot of details are left out that, you know, for example, efficiency. Yeah. A lot of headphones claim 96 dB efficiency or 102 dB efficiency. It, the question that very few people ask is, at which point is this measured? Is this measured at the drum reference point or the ear entrance point? Um, and so that makes a significant difference. It's the same with frequency response. Um, uh, right. Like also, um, how is this measured? Actually, on that subject, that is my next question for you. It's... Um... You know, what, for you guys, when, you, when you're when you devising target curves, what do you guys use for, uh, like when you're doing measurements, I've seen some of the measurements posted, you know, from, I think, was it the 45 BB? Correct me if I'm wrong on that. But uh, the, it, yeah, I was just wondering, like, first, what do you guys use for, like, an ideal target that you're aiming for? Um, if, it, if it's based on a sp- certain curve or, you know, uh, a certain type of tuning or and then also like what what would you guys use ideally to, to publish uh, measurements so so um you know in the beginning days we used to publish frequency response from a neumann ku100 uh, mm-hmm. that was the original lcd2 and the main reason we used to send those was in the initial days um it um in the in 2009-10 it was very few people who were actually providing graphs and uh um, when we bought the KU100 from uh, Neumann, they actually came with a graph for calibration. So we thought it would be a good idea to put a graph with our headphones also. Right. Um, and then, um, um, so so the way we do this is we have, like I mentioned earlier also, we have four, um, three or four different core uh, principles that we have. One is we have our own set of reference recordings and uh, stuff that we have created with a controlled, in a controlled room with controlled 
positioning of these uh, musicians and this was recorded for us by Kavi Alexander we we have we know how they sound what should be the um, um, uh, you know how how you know the particular person is placed 15 degrees to the right four feet from the microphone things like that so we have our own set of recordings we also have our own um, set of speakers in a well-treated room so this has always been our reference for what our headphones should sound like mm-hmm. then um, in terms of measurement equipment we have pretty you know wide variety of them the primary ones that we have is um, let me write it uh, it's the Kimar right uh, RA0045 I think is a model with the right. IP, um, 60318 I think is the number we use the Pinna uh, KB0 um, this is what we have been using for a number of years and we are very comfortable with um, so um, this is something that we have we also have the grass 43 AG right uh, which is uh, what all of uses yeah yeah no um, initially if you look at the original paper from Harman and uh, their uh, 2013 paper they used a um, they they used a 45CA. Yes. Oh, really? Okay. IEC, yeah, it was I. Uh, it was um, 43BB. It was an IEC. It was a low noise, big, uh, large pinna that they used. So the Harman curves, uh, the target curves in their 2000, you know, papers and stuff used a uh, measurement rig. Um, so the reason we know this, God, they. Um, to compare against our measurements when tile's measurements looked very different uh, because tile was using a different um, head directed uh, the head from somebody else and he was comparing it to Sean Olive's measurements and uh, our measurements and tile's measurements didn't look exactly the same so that's one of the things that uh, prompted us to get all these different rigs um, the pinna um, also matters quite a bit because in the original ones, I think they used the uh, 45CA. This is the um, this is the KB066 um, 0066 pin. So, right, uh, it makes me think that that may be responsible for. I don't know if you saw the um, someone was doing some comparisons between the uh, LCD ones frequency response on yes, from yeah. you guys did with the. That, yeah. So yeah. I think you know we actually spoke to him also um, uh, a while ago, and I believe the big difference between our measurement rig and his measurement rig, and that's actually where this uh, discrepancy comes from, is the pinna. He's using a newer uh, pinna. Uh, we actually ordered it. We haven't received it yet. Oh, uh, oratories. Yeah, oratories. Yeah. Uh, it because of the virus situation. I don't think we right. It. Um, but it's the pinna is very different and when you measure these headphones the pinna interaction is quite a bit different with these different headphones um, right so i think where the discrepancy in that particular measurement comes from so if you are measuring this um you know same headphone on different pinnas it's going to measure it looks slightly different right so that but that just explains why it, it the accuracy for i think that range of what like 1.5 to like two and a half k yeah somewhere around looks a little different yeah Yeah, and and that measurement i think it shows about a 5 db dip or something but when we can't hear it also perceive it at least so there is definitely a small uh dip there it's not something uh 
Um, but I don't believe it's anywhere near five. Yeah, I mean, also, I mean, the in my mind, the like, with the LCD one is best used with the the um, oh yeah, the reveal plus. reveal definitely. plus yeah. So, um, but in in Ooh. any case, I just I I did think this was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, the pinna is different in his rig compared to what we use. Right, right. Uh, okay, well that yeah. that explains that. <laughs> yeah, you have to be really careful reading raw graphs. I mean, that's that's yeah. something that I I brought up. Um, and of course, then there's the mini DSP years, which is just not even close to industry standard. <laughs> Hilariously, so, though, on, I mean, on the compensation, it did look it similar. Looked somewhat similar, yeah. <laughs> if you read it as a compensated graph, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's what they're trying to do. I mean, that even with the in-ear uh, thing, I mean, there is no shaping to the inside of the ear uh, canal for that thing. So it's behind me there. And... Uh, but then what they try and do is they, they use a compensation there with the they call the in their in-ear target, which makes it seem like it would be. It makes it measure kind of normal for a lot of IEMs. But then as soon as you have one that is just a little bit non-standard, it it throws it off entirely. So yeah, stop yeah, I using think I think Oratory covered that. The acoustic impedance. I mean, Shanker can probably yeah elaborate. But yeah, there's a lot of issues with the with the way the ears between yeah. headphones measures them differently. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the issue. Is like occasionally it looks fairly similar to something that would be taken on a more accurate, precise system. But then, so you think, okay, yeah, this is pretty good, especially when using a compensation. But then, there are so many headphones that you can put on it that just because of the way that the headphone is, it'll measure totally differently. And also, the earpad seal is slightly different. Also, even right. all these measurement rigs, it um, you know it's very hard to get a f perfect seal because the surfaces are hard. Um, you know they are not um, easy to get a perfect seal with uh, many measurement rigs. So, right. I mean, Oratory's measurements are very good. He takes care. Um, you know, um, so many times what we have is we get random graphs from people and saying, "Hey, your measurement looks like this compared to this measurement," but we have no frame of reference. What right. <laughs> so sometimes you know, in the you know beginning of these measurement things in 2013 or 14 we even received measurements that we could not interpret at all and uh, when i asked uh, who's measuring it uh, how he did it he basically sent me a picture of a shelf metal shelf with grills <laughs> microphone and some phone <laughs> I still have it. it was just and um, he was publishing all these graphs uh, and uh, he would also put waterfall plots and stuff. And oh my goodness! And it to uh, you know, so it was very difficult for us to uh, go uh, explain some of these things because it's you know yes, that particular person who is measuring them probably has a lot more experience because he has measured a whole set of experience, uh, whole set of headphones with that. But for us, um, it's very hard to go from one rig to another rig and say, hey, this is you know. Yeah. But we also now have hundreds of thousands of headphone measurements in our database now right um, so internal database we have been measuring every single headphone we made since 2010 um, so that's that also gives us a reference on how um, you know what what things to look for even during production um, we, we measure diaphragms when they are actually we cast the film um, we measure we measure the film. We measure the um, drivers before they are put inside headphones. So, and what are you looking for with uh, those measurements? 
What is it? What are you looking for when you're measuring just the diaphragm or just the film? So, so for example, uh, one of the things that we do is um, when you make very thin films, like the LCD4 film, it's very hard to figure out the thickness of the film, especially when you're casting it. One way we can do it is to figure out, uh, we can do it from the other way, right? We can measure the resonance of the film to figure out how thick it is. Right. Right. So, so, so um, we do that. Um, uh, we also, when we put the aluminum on top, we want to make sure it's uniform. Um, so we we have a series of measurement uh, rigs, uh, some impedance measurement uh, for checking the circuits when we make them. Uh, but we also, for example, it's um, easier for us to check the driver quality before it goes on a headphone because you don't have to put it on a rig. You can put it on an IEC buffer, put a microphone in a standard place mm-hmm. and have much more consistent measurements of the driver. So during manufacturing, every single driver is measured in a buffer with, um, and we match them. Um, those kind of things are done. Right, right. So, but then for once, once it's in the headphones, I mean, when you're tuning the headphone, um, I mean, is there, do you kind of go for Harman? Is that kind of a goal or, you know, as close as possible or what's sort of the, the general? So, so that's what I initially said. Our um, headphone, um, uh, we have our own Odyssey curve, what we call it. Uh, right, from, from in, what you were, yeah. Right, but this preceded the Harman. Um, you know, if you look right. at it, LCD2 was used in Harman's test. Um, mm-hmm. In 2013, they used the LCD2 as one of the headphones in their test, and it was the most uh, yeah. preferred as well. Yeah, uh, I remember that. The graphs, they don't publish the full detail, but if you look at the graphs, the LCD2 graph is very distinct, and uh, um, it was the most preferred headphone. Mm-hmm. Um, so so um, our philosophy has been, again, from the beginning, it has been the same. We want our headphones to sound like a yeah. well-treated, uh, uh, in a good speakers in a well-treated room. So yeah. that's basically what we go for. Um, and uh, it again, these things change depending upon the type of driver and stuff like that also. I remember like back in maybe 20, yeah, 2010-ish, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was, Planar headphones was, was kind of just uh, getting into the limelight with the LCD2 and I think the HE500 and HE6 from Hi-Fi Man. Uh, and the there was always this uh, debate as to which was better. And I think everybody who's, who, people always said, you know, if you want, if you want your bass to sound really, really good, you got to go with the LCD too. <laughs> um, and was that, was that something that, I mean, you guys wanted from the very beginning to have, you know, really, really good bass response? Yes. Yeah. We always wanted good bass still, response. That was yeah. that's still in every headphone we try to achieve that. Um, uh, I think in the beginning days, uh, Head5 was a lot more different. Um, yeah. You know, um, I actually still speak to some of those people on Head5. They are no longer on Head5, but they still, you know, we speak to them occasionally. Um, I, I, you know, the um, we also had, you know, it, all these controversies and stuff. Are not, yeah. We used to have a lot more, um, the, there used to be a lot more people with who were very opinionated um, in those, and I believe there was even a head administrator at that point who was who didn't really um, like the LCD2 um, but when I met him uh, at one can jam it you know we started mm-hmm. talking and we explained what our philosophy was and things became much better after that 
mm-hmm. but in the you know um i think um the initial lcd twos uh, that we made were slightly darker than what uh, we made after 2011 and 12 right right because i did notice there was a it changed yeah yeah i mean we you know the when we started out uh, our diaphragms were made for us outside odyssey now we made somebody made the film somebody etched right. it uh, all those things in 2013 we start we had uh, we started bringing some of those things in internally and by 2016 everything was completely moved in in house uh, for uh, diaphragm making uh, right, right. so so there were significant changes you know and again it's it's with almost any manufacturing it's not just with odyssey but what happens is sometimes your chain supplier changes sometimes we have epa regulations we can't make this material anymore right uh, there is a lot of things that happen that um, you know if you look at it lcd2 is a 10 year old headphone yeah so uh, if you take a car you would see obvious improvements in it changes in it those kind of things have happened in lcd2 and uh, in the both me alex and even um drag all of us came from you know we came from different backgrounds and software background and things like that so in the initial days uh even now you know when we make a headphone uh, if we can make an improvement for a customer where they are paying us money we think we should deliver them the best possible headphone that we can make them right so uh, many times uh, we things have become a lot more stable now but in the beginning days we would run production changes quite often but we don't make that many changes unless there is significant um production issues or something now and also we have learned quite a bit in making headphones over the 10 years so things are uh, much more smoother making a headphone nowadays than compared to what we were trying to do in 2011 and 12 right i i just always remember that that you know f- for me i mean back then it, it definitely uh I actually I I bought one of the old uh, like 2010 2011 LCD2s and I definitely remember like I compared it to to the you know some of the other headphones uh later on and it it definitely had way more of a bass presence to it so it's not just that the it was really good at you know detail in the bass but it had a lot of a lot more bass energy it was a bit warmer tilted um at the time so it's yeah I was going to say uh I remember like looking at the KU100 I assume you guys are still using Mm-hmm. the almost the same Neumann maybe even the same unit the from same. 10 years ago it is yeah so like if you look at some of the older LC2 measurements you see that they have a the flat base and then they roll off slightly but then they also just go straight and on the newer ones even the I mean the K100's not a measurement system really it's more like a QC jig for you guys I guess but mm-hmm. you can see that there's a little there's a little tip up at 10k that there's a little bump there and that didn't used to be there from some yeah. of the older graphs I've seen seen posted <laughs> no those are ma- so some some of those things are mostly related to the ear pads mm-hmm. construction oh like, you changed the pad yeah okay that makes yeah, sense yeah so so many of those things are related to ear pads and stuff not really the driver the driver remains you know so it's harder to change these things in the base uh, of these drivers compared to uh, high oh, okay some of those things are ear pads or the seal um and uh, how much clamping force those kind of things mm. right Um I guess uh brings me to my last uh, question before we get into some Q&A unless Metal has some other questions for you. Uh I wanted to yeah get your take on I mean I asked you this as well in to the Canjam but I wanted to get your take on you know where uh high end the high end of this kind of stuff is going to go in the future. Is it going to be 
more pushing the boundaries on so, sorry for planar magnetic headphone technology is going to be more pushing the boundaries on you know uh, detail and frequency response and all of the sonic characteristics or is it going to be taking what's already there and just refining it and making it lighter and more comfortable or maybe introducing again you know maybe closed backs or wireless or you know which it's it seems like it could go in either direction maybe both i don't know if that's a false equivalence or no, false I, disjunction I, but yeah i think there will be a lot of different things that come up um um you know so one of the things that i think definitely will happen is the high-end headphone industry because will at least we have to make them um, aesthetically more pleasing. Um, oh, so interesting. And that trend is, uh, I think that is, it's coming up. A lighter, definitely, um, mm-hmm. um, and efficiency. The the efficiency, light boy, uh, lightness is always a factor that we have to balance out. Um, and also, I think there will be a lot of improvements in uh, material science. So we will be able to do things that um, smaller, lighter headphones and th- things like that because of improvements in uh, material. So that is one, you know, in if you look at it in a pure audiophile um, uh, product, there is a lot of things that we are still doing in material science um, development, um, creating new materials that will have impact. It will also have impact in other areas, I think, not just planar. Um, so that's one thing. Um, so second thing, I think also in the, um, um, Bluetooth and, um, so, so as these headphones become more efficient, we can afford to make Bluetooth and, uh, wireless headphones that are, um, very efficient that compete with battery life of a cone speaker, right? Mm. So for example, the LCD one, uh, close back Felix model we get 60 hours of battery easily. Um, so um, I've also seen some new headphones that get almost 100 hours of um, easily. And this seems to be actually in non-audiophile circles and gaming and stuff, this seems to be actually a fairly important thing. People want uh, uh, yeah. battery life. They don't want to charge it often because it's one another product that they have. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that uh, we see. We, we, we also see um, in terms of non-headphone um, things, a lot of custom HRTFs and stuff like that coming up. The new PlayStation, they announced that you'll be able to have custom HRTFs in PlayStation mm-hmm. 5. So the 3D audio immersion, um, you will be able to get uh, probably um, custom HRTFs uploaded to the PS5. Uh, the initial version, I think, will have your four different versions that you can pick and choose. But the fine, you know, eventually they will allow you to create your own custom HRTFs and upload them. So I think there will be there's a lot of different things that uh, are very interesting that's happening in this area. Right. Um, so it's not just a matter of uh, taking a whole, some LCD fours and putting them on famous athletes and <laughs> to getting photo shoots with. So that uh, you know. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's uh, that helps, right? You know, yeah. the picture, the video of Elon Musk wearing the LCD. Yes, <laughs> well, that was great. You know, I, I, all of a sudden on one day in five o'clock in the morning, our Twitter uh, feed just started blowing up. We were like, what is going on? And then I initially thought somebody actually had Photoshopped the picture because it oh. did real in the beginning. So then we realized, I mean, those things have significant impact um, uh, beyond. Um, we, we have a lot of 
people who use our headphones and we don't know how, you know many times we don't know how they got these headphones sometimes they get right. it directly um, but we have a lot of musicians using our headphones and it's always interesting to get their perspective um, you know uh, for example in one review somebody had said um, um, that the particular LCD one headphone they were trying to get the tone of uh, you know something did not sound correct compared to the thing and then that particular day we had the mastering engineer for that who mastered that song at audition <laughs> it was very interesting to get his take you know so it's it's always interesting to see um but but i mean any you know all these things get us good publicity so yeah yeah for sure cool uh well that pretty much does it for my list of questions uh i'll before turning it over to you know some questions from the chat i'll ask metal do you have any anything you want to talk about with anchor um no, I just want to see what comes next. Those new Odyssey <laughs> headphones are always good. Well, you guys are more of, I mean, it, it, I think this is accurate, but you guys are more of like an R&D company because you're always developing new stuff. But audio is just kind of like the result of it. I remember you said in some interviews that you looked at thin films, but like the application could be anything. And I guess you ended up with headphones on that, right? I mean, we are an audio company. Um, uh, but yeah, no, definitely. Definitely an audio company. Uh, but you know we have very diverse ex people with very diverse experiences at odyssey we have people who have developed um uh, materials for space applications right and uh, people uh, pete who worked with uh, you know helped us start odyssey works with uh, satellites and solar sails and stuff like that oh wow yeah and we have um drag who has had uh, 40 years of experience with uh, planar drivers um we have kartik who does machine learning uh, he teaches machine learning and mm -hmm. uh, artificial intelligence. So we are, you know, experience at uh, people of people at Odyssey is very diverse, and a little bit of these things come into Odyssey. You know, so um, that I think that's also our strength. So we want to keep it to where we are very creative. We create these new different types of headphones. Um, like for example, when I met Alex uh, Axel Grell from Sennheiser, at uh, you know he previously from Sennheiser, he said the Mobius was the one that was su most surprising for him from coming out from Odyssey, right? So so I think that our strength lies in creating new things that are a uh, little bit ahead of the market. So now I see a lot of other companies trying to create a Mobius-like headphone, mm -hmm. right? So, so I think but we are at least 18 months ahead of them. So that's, I think, part of our strength. And that's where we want to focus on going in future as well. Yeah, and us reviewers love the whole innovation aspect because there's a lot of brands that are just sticking to their guns and they're not really doing something that's really trying to push things in a in a new direction. So it's very interesting to follow all of this. So that's one reason yeah. why I like Odyssey because you guys are always trying something new. So, but anyway, not really. That's not really much of a question, but. <laughs> <laughs> It's that interesting. Times. It's, it's yes. a good observation. Yes. Did you? You were showing us some some. Uh, I I guess I don't even know if they're prototypes or just wacky headphone designs. Did you want to? Oh, yeah. Show those on the stream. Or... Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> part of it is because um, at Odyssey we try to see what is out there, right? So sometimes we get all these Kickstarter headphones. Sometimes they actually deliver on Kickstarter, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, once in a while we actually get headphones delivered. But uh, the one fun headphone I showed you, I think I showed it to you at uh, Can Jam, was a human. Oh, yes. You know, that kind of hugged your ear. 
um that was interesting we uh, we got those uh, there was also this headphone from uh, i think yamaha made the drivers for it i'm not fully sure who this is i think a plane out plane out driver it was a bluetooth headphone um had a very back <laughs> so it actually came with two two different types of ear cups one was this one was just a frame so it was completely open and uh, uh, you know so so we have a very good collection of uh, headphones if you ever guys ever want to come here and measure and review them um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, i'd be curious about that original lcd one like the Oh, do you have that floating around? Yeah, that'll be fun. I don't know if we have the original LCD one. We have somewhere. I don't. Or LCD. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So this is a oh, this is an early prototype of EL8. Um, yeah. It actually had a very different type of carbon fiber headband. Was designed, you know, 3D printed. Um, um, so so you know, it's a lot of uh, wacky headphones. Um, you know, and this was the original design. Of the, uh, sign open back right um this was before we had we changed the grill um i mean yeah quite a bit of things floating around here yeah it's pretty cool um i guess uh with that we could probably turn it to the uh, ch uh questions from the chat um metal if you can uh yeah i know somebody I, I was yeah i was looking at it I, I, I did already have one as well. Uh, there was a question from Chris. Uh, he, he was at, he was wondering what you which um, speakers you guys use for your reference yeah, monitors. That's what I was going to ask too. We actually have our own speakers built with planar drivers. Oh, oh really? Kang Jam 2011, I believe. Crazy. Um, yeah, we built it. It's a seven seven foot high. Um, I think uh, I'll I'll send some pictures later on. Um, cool. Seven feet tall. Um, it's uh, a line cool cool um oh here's one oh, that i've been wondering forever what does lcd yeah. stand for <laughs> it was one of those names we didn't have anything i think we had too many beers before i did <laughs> um yeah so so many of our other names uh after lcds have some relation um to science fiction for example right. uh but um, before LCD was, you know, just too many beers. That's all. Um, liquid, liquid crystal display. Yeah. Emphasis on the liquid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <it was. laughs> um, you know, I, we always wanted to have, you know, one another model of LCD called LSD, mind altering headphones. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we thought we already have enough problems with custom stuff. We don't want to have, what do you have? One more. Um, so we dropped that name. <laughs> that's awesome um, but uh there is you know uh we the deckard is from blade runner uh odyssey itself is from 2001 um oh, i thought deckard was going to be from diablo no deckard, <laughs> no deckard is from blade runner um yeah, okay then the more you know uh mobius obviously um is um from asher uh paintings of mobius where everything inside is outside Right. So when right. we had the tracking, we were trying to take the audio from inside your head to outside um, without, you know, that was the reasoning behind Mobius. Um, and uh, Cypher was also something similar. Um, Cypher was our lightning cable, but uh, also it's a name of the character in uh, Matrix. Right. Who kind of goes back 
so we thought it was like a, it was an inside joke in the beginning where uh, we because we were working with iPhones and stuff and um, um, we were you know it was an inside joke that we are basically taking this high-end audio file product and going you know uh, wasn't he the bad guy in the matrix <laughs> it, was, it was it was a guy who actually goes back into the matrix uh, yeah is you know i know the stake is not real but it feels real so right. that was the idea behind the cipher cable okay it's oh, that's cool file equipment but it's it's a little bit of a um um sellout uh Sheldon's asking, uh, "What's uh, what's your personal setup for DAC and amp and headphones? Like, what would be your go-to? Like, if if you if you're to use like your high-end setup, what would it be?" Uh, we have several different units here, uh, uh, but we have always used in the from the beginning. We have always used a W audio W. It's a W eight SE. I think okay. it's the the one with the two units. Um, yeah. Uh, we also use uh, called Hugo and uh, Dave. Right, the the good stuff. So, but the, <laughs> the part is because we make headphones and we go to a lot of trade shows. There is a lot of amplifier manufacturers. We they use our headphones or we use their amplifiers. So a lot of um, um, at any point we have a lot of units floating around our facility. So for trade shows, we try to use a different one um every time right right and you would use that with like an lcd4 or something correct like yeah. A, yeah so the, the the latest one i think we have in the office that gets used quite a bit is the nagra like, oh you guys have the nagra oh, flux <laughs> flux just oh my god he went crazy over yeah. that thing at the show i know he really loves it yeah did you guys have that at the booth of the show uh i think we had it at the yeah booth. yeah that's yeah. that's yeah. where yeah that's where he yeah. tried it yeah, because I remember he was crazy. telling me about the um, hearing the Susvara on it. I was thinking that was at the Odyssey booth, wasn't it? Yeah, it was at the Odyssey booth. Uh, but he, yeah. he brought his own Susvara, so yeah, he just walked around with the Susvara at the show. That's how you just know. casually, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, some of these things are very interesting, also. So when I actually met the CEO of Nagra, he showed me the unit that they sent to Moon. Mm. Uh, they actually had a tape recorder, like small one, that they sent to Moon for the Apollo missions. So they actually had a unit from there also. Someone was telling me that these, those were the ones that were used in like the Watergate tapping and like Correct. all yeah, kinds they of... They also use it... Uh, oh, they... no way. Correct. Yeah, they, they used to make a lot of these things for spy agencies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, someone had a good question here, but I'm going to modify a little bit. Uh, what uh, what are you, what were your he favorite headphones to develop? Like what was the... Like not to listen to necessarily, but like the favorite project. Uh, I mean, it's a whole team here that develops it. Um, we have had a lot of fun developing, you know, almost every headphone that we have had, um, the new one that always becomes a favorite, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because it's something new we are trying. Um, Mobius actually was one of the fun, pro most fun we have had creating a headphone because mm -hmm. of the amount of very different things that we could actually bring together. And in the initial days, we even had doubt whether we could pull it off with all these different things. Right. Yeah. Again, you have to, you know a headphone takes about eighteen months to develop, twelve to eighteen months. Right. Uh, something like a Mobius. Uh, that would be the quick thing, uh, quick uh, turnaround. Right. So we released Mobius in two thousand eighteen, but we started development of it in two thousand seventeen. So we have to think back to two thousand seventeen when we had to we were trying to put all these things together and we wanted to pull it off. 
uh, it was, you know, there were also other things that we wanted to put in that we had to remove uh, from the final headphone. Uh, but it was very, very interesting project. Um, we are working on a couple of new things that are super interesting. Uh, one of them is actually for the medical application. Uh, it oh. has some medical applications for it. Um, that is really, really very interesting for me personally. Um, there is always some new things that we are working on that, um, you know, it's the same thing. Even when we did the EL8, it was very interesting working with uh, design works and to completely design a headphone from scratch. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, every one of our headphones is there. What, was there ever one project where you were just like, oh, this is so frustrating to work on, or uh, I can't believe it. Well. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of ones. Uh, for example, the uh, original signs were very difficult to create. Sorry, the, the I signs? I signs, yeah. yeah. I yeah. Um, so the difference between what we designed initially from industrial design to what it ended up was like drastically different. Mm. Um, the original, I think that some video from Head5 and Tile actually shot it. The original ice and designs were actually like a, almost like a, um, like what you see with the true wireless headsets. They actually were kind of rectangular and they would come out like the Bluetooth headset, oh. Motorola and stuff. And the drivers was actually rectangular. Um, then we went with, um, um, we couldn't get the frequency response even remotely um, good. So we changed it. Um, and then we ended up with this new design but it actually the original design from design works actually had a leather cover on it for the eye signs <laughs> uh, so we worked with a company in turkey that used to make uh, really nice leather uh, yeah. leather and stuff but we could not uh, make production units or even close to making good looking units because when the leather becomes very small it becomes very stiff they have to yes. laminate it to get the um, things to be not peel off so it took us almost six months or something, just trying different materials. And then we went with the, uh, the um, Star Wars kind of design on it. Star Wars design, that's great. Yeah. The TIE fighter design. <laughs> I think we yeah. missed this one during the stream. Um, usually I, I, start, I start with this question with Shankar, at least I did when I in my live stream someone says how does odyssey get started who started the company and it'd be cool to have that information on your website <laughs> it actually is i know that's we, what i thought i didn't it, it's there on the website and they think their website when we moved to shop if uh, it changed something no. um i mean um we'll post it again you know that's no big problem in it um you know it's uh i think um I think that story is there all the time and head fire and stuff. Um, but I will tell you something else that's a little bit more. The first time we actually made the planar headphone with the LCD once, me and Alex went to a can uh, like a headphone um, headphone show in LA. This was before we went to Canjam, and we were so shy we didn't talk to anybody. We actually came back <laughs> because we. <laughs> Um, and then we posted online about this headphone. Um, and there was a guy called Kabir Nawaz from the UK who contacted us. And he was on HeadFi and he had created the original thread. He f randomly found us by Googling it. And then he contacted us and he said, you should come to CanJam and show your headphone. 
and that is how we actually said okay let's go back again and try to show this and in between those i actually went took a planar driver um went to aes and i showed it to at that time the person in charge at ultrasound uh, they had a huge booth at uh, aes and i we, you know our initial idea was <clears throat> time we were still trying to figure out should we make the headphone or should we just make the driver and people so we showed it to ultrasound and see if they would be interested in making a headphone and they were not interested so we came back and but um, then kabir contacted us and we went back to canjam um uh, this was 09 and uh, we didn't even have power supply we just went there and john pertel and jude were uh, we said can we get a table and uh, they said it's 500 bucks for a table um so we said you know it's still a, we don't even know whether we are going to start a company it's still a hobby uh, and then um, said, okay i'll give you half a table so that's what we took um we took half a table but we went there and realized we don't even have a trip we just went there with our headphones and a small amplifier then our um phil tendler uh, he was making cables at the time he was the other half of the table we had shared he gave us his power supply and stuff and these were massive power conditioners um and then ray samwells from ray samwells audio came by and said why are you guys using this shitty amplifier <laughs> <laughs> yang the amplifier from me and gave me one of his amp- <laughs> uh and then you know, you know yeah so so um but, but then the response was massive you know sachu kabir a lot of these guys actually encouraged us uh to actually do this and that's when we started getting a little bit more we can actually put headphones on our own um and then um at the same time jerry harvey was that he was the uh, he had it's the same place when he first showed his jh audio uh, inius um so we started getting a little bit of connections and trying to and um uh, alex kavali was there and also um another amplifier manufacturer was there i mean in in those days of initial days of headfi there used to be a lot more amplifier manufacturers than headphone manufacturers you will find odyssey hyperman sennheiser bay dynamic but not as many as we do now but there were lot more amplifier manufacturers who were very active ray samwells kavali they used to also come to the stage um and it was very different experience in those days um i'm not saying it was better or anything it was just things have changed and evolved and uh, that's how we you know the initial days of headfire um then i think we went to chicago and jam where we show and jude still tells me when he saw the lcd1 we didn't he didn't think we would make a good headphone at all it was only when he saw the lcd2 that he actually got a little bit more con that's why he was very skeptical that he said okay half a table for 250 bucks <laughs> wow <laughs> i didn't know that that's that's interesting yeah, i've never heard this story either so that's great um someone was asking i mean everybody seems to be asking when are we when are we going to get an lcd closed flagship <laughs> flagship i think we have, we've asked that already <laughs> yeah i mean uh, this year um you know we we are uh, planning for a quite a bit of headphones i'm not sure when we will release them because of the virus situation yeah but this is going to be a very busy summer for this year so yeah, yeah. uh 
we'll leave it we'll leave that one there <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah um someone's someone asks uh actually i mean I, there's been a couple questions about like uh using like why did you guys want to you go with planar magnetic technology over anything else but i'd want to extend that question to do you, do you see anything now that's come out whether it's an electrostatic or you know the head audio headphone with the AMT driver, or is there anything that gets you guys excited? Or the uh, ribbon driver too. That's or the pretty, you know, Ralph, interesting as well. Yeah, sorry, yeah. all that stuff. So, yeah. so part of it was also because of the people involved, right? For example, Drag who has been with us from you right. know the start, or he has been in planar drivers and uh, uh, stuff for a long time. And uh, um, I believe that um, you know one of the people that Drag mentored is. Um, the founder of Ralph. Um, Interesting. So, so there is, you know, the um, design, even though it looks from outside, these companies are all very different. We interact with other companies quite a bit. Um, right. uh, I mean, all these in headphone approaches are very interesting, right? Um, there are two things that uh, come into the factor. Um, when we, you know, we obviously have to sell headphones um, as a business. And make money. So there are always things like, is this something that we can make differentiate it enough that we can actually make a difference, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, is this something that that we bring new to the table that will have some impact on the market? So um, part of the reason we have, you know, we have obviously people with experience with speaker design to other things, but we have so far stuck to plain arts because. Uh, we think we have a lot more experience and um, things that we can bring to the market. Uh, we will definitely work with other type of drivers and stuff if we can. If we think we can make a significant uh, improvement in it, mm-hmm. the electrostatic headphones um, there is some uh, improvements in it, but uh, we haven't seen any drastic uh, changes in it so far. That at least we you know from an out. Um, you know, so things, so that's something that's uh, interesting. The uh, the AMT driver is also very interesting. But again, of our biggest problem is this, this will, all these things are also very heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the, um, um, in the play, you know, uh, we are trying to see, can we make, you know, if there is something that we could do to make them lighter or something that becomes a little bit more interesting for us mm-hmm. as a company. Especially with the trends and directions of, of you know, where the high-end stuff is going with planars, you know, uh, if that becomes easier to make lighter and more efficient and more accessible, why, you know. And also, yeah, <laughs> and also the automation and other things, right? Yeah, yeah, for of example, course. With the Mobius, um, we had to make hundreds of thousands of drivers for Mobius. Right. So this is not something that we could scale like what we were doing in the initial days of LCD headphones. So right. what we now have is a, a very automated way of manufacturing. So we figured out a lot of things that helps us to scale up Mobius, mm-hmm. right? Because the Mobius drivers are also in the HyperX Orbit headphones now. And the quantities are very high compared to anything that we have done in the past. So we had to figure out how do we make these things. So right now for us, a Mobius driver takes about from the diaphragm film to the finished uh, uh, diaphragm alone is about 18 seconds. Wow. So, but that required a significant amount of effort last year. Um, or, right. Yeah. 
2018 for us to put these things in place that allows us to and and also consistency right so when you are making yeah. hundreds of thousands of these drivers we have to figure out a way to make them more consistent mm-hmm. so i still need to review that headphone at some point <laughs> i don't think i've ever even actually heard it so yeah mobius is like the most at some point I, yeah <laughs> i agree i agree with jude on that one i think he also said it's like the most surprising thing that yeah. he saw come out of Aussie. So i was like wait a minute gaming no there's no way and then i was like <laughs> this is quite a great response that's amazing but it, it makes a lot of sense because a lot of us kind of came from that world right there was the you know the crossover of well we, we're we have headphones on our heads you know the whole time and you know we would just want it to be better and then that eventually leads down the you know the rabbit hole or garden path towards lcd2 headphones and you know yeah, and whatever else that, right the idea that has to be some kind of exotic thing that's so different than what we had but yet this yeah, exactly. is like essentially it's yeah. not it's a lot more than just a gaming headset but it, yeah, is, um, it was you know, pretty, putting, pretty surprising so we were going to publish an interview with uh, um, sound engineer uh, i think probably in a week or two on our website but you, you know yes we get, mobius is a gaming headphone but the way it gets used is uh very different also mm-hmm. uh we have people just using it with apple tv i never thought people would use it with apple tv when we were designing oh really so wow. it, uh, you know and they are like you know uh, how do we connect two um mobius units to the same laptop so you can actually use multi device option in mac to connect it it's very interesting how people use it uh, but we also know that a lot of um mixing engineers and people with 5.1 requirements use mobius we have at least one studio here in LA where they use 42 seats of mobius units just to QC movies going into mm-hmm. Netflix right um and then we have uh, this is a um, mastering engineer who or sound designer who did uh, hobbit and um, lord of the rings movies he is like i'm in quarantine i can't do anything else i can't even go to my studio i'm right. just things on mobius Uh, but what is interesting is is we have a set of customers uh, especially in the pro audio world who use mobius not just for music but also for gaming so uh, the sound designer who worked on hobbit tintin he also works on um, games all the time mm. so it, it was very interesting to get his perspective on how is it is he doing this for music how is he doing it for movies how is he doing it for uh, gaming right and one of our favorite customers for uh, mobius is um, tyler bates um he was one of our first uh, customers who actually tested mobius even before it was released tyler bates is the uh, composer for guardians of the galaxy mm. the movie and stuff but he's also the uh, he's also in uh, marlin man right oh, okay uh, so, yeah so, so it's, it's one person but he also composes music for games but right so so the uh, musicians and sound engineers um they seem to be many of them at least we work with are flexible and they all use mobius quite a bit we have a fire set you know that's one of the reasons we actually release the aco drivers for mobius so when you have to use mobius with pro tools or professional equipment you need low latency all right so we actually released uh, aco drivers and we were surprised you know the number of downloads of our aco driver is um, quite significant and this i mean i imagine as you were saying before you don't always think of you know when you're when you're designing something you can't anticipate 
the reach that it's going to have for the various audiences that, that are going to end up, uh, there are the various different types of people who are going to end up using it or what it's going to be most popular for. But then after the fact, when you see this stuff now, you see all the different applications of Mobius. I imagine it gets gives you a whole bunch of new ideas for, you know, yes. what else, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, right. You know, with uh, Mobius, if you see, we can also see other companies developing Mobius like headphones now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Some of them in the market, some of them actually, one of them got released and then pulled out of the market. Um, so it's it's also very interesting to see how um, things will pan out in this area. I mean, gaming itself is very interesting also for as a market. Um, yeah. A lot of innovation going on there. Um, yesterday, uh, Mark Crane, one of our users, had tweeted about uh, um, he actually was one of the first Mobius users as well. And he also has LCD headphones, but he's also one of the co-founders of Epic. So they had tweeted about uh, the live concert inside Fortnite and 11.2 million concurrent users for it. Hmm. Uh, this was day before yesterday. They are going to have one more today and tomorrow, I think. Crazy. Uh, so it, it's, I mean, you just imagine the numbers, 11.2 million concurrent users listening to a concert inside Fortnite. <laughs> so it, it's very interesting times, you know, it's... Yeah. You know, I think we treat it also. It's a beginning, feels like the beginning of the meta. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we should, we've been going for over an hour and a half. We should probably cut it there unless, uh, uh, Metal, do you have any other questions you wanted to ask from the chat or? Yeah, this is a quick question that I've been yeah. wondering too. Um, just that, is the HyperX Orbit the same thing as the Mobius? It just doesn't have wireless. Is that what it was? Yes, it's similar. It, if, uh, tuning and everything is the same. It's okay. Similar. Um, we had to make some changes um, to the um, electronics and stuff, but it is uh, based on the Mobius. Yes. Okay. Cool. I didn't. I had no idea that was. <laughs> yeah, because there've been even... a bunch of sales going on, and people were actually asking me or showing them on Reddit, and I was like, I'm not sure if it's really the same, <laughs> but I guess it is. Yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, someone keeps asking, can you restart selling the EL8s? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people want the EL8s to come back. I've seen yeah. them a lot. You know, see, see, it's always like the headphones that you discontinue that become popular quite a bit. Yeah. Right? yeah. They are actually available. It's not the case. Um, but if you look at it, the Mobius is, um, I mean, it's a close back wireless headphone and all that stuff. But the form factor of the drivers for EL8 and Mobius are not very different. Hmm. Right. right. That, that makes sense. And the um, LCD obviously is similar to Mobius in terms of also uh, magnetic structure, driver design. Right. Uh, I guess, yeah, any final thoughts from, from either of you guys? Well, I, I, you know, I didn't realize it was one hour, 40 minutes, but I hope it was not very boring. You know, we <laughs> no. all details and uh, yeah. I wonder how many people actually, you know, uh, will find these things very interesting. It's... Um, well, we uh, certainly, we certainly do. So, <laughs> I think a lot of people actually who tune into these. I mean, it seems like audio science is definitely a, a big topic. So we ask all kinds of people about that. So it's great to get your take on it. As yeah. Usual. Yeah, but definitely with all with all trade shows and stuff, I think these things will become more important in future as well. Yeah. Yeah. True. For sure. For sure. Anyways, uh, thank you both for coming mm -hmm. on. Thanks to everybody who joined us and tuned in. Uh, like with all the rest of these, we'll be throwing this up online as a podcast as well. So if anybody wants to uh, listen to this on the go, even though it's 
nobody's going anywhere <laughs> these days. <laughs> we'll have, we'll make sure that's available yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, for us, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in and thanks to metal and thanks to Sankar. Thank you. Thanks. Bye everybody.